You don't have to be in the room for five seconds. After the words that's been, sh- been shared, after the music that's been played, there's one common theme about what God's doing right now. The title of my, what I'm supposed to preach on tonight, today, if the Lord allows me to do so, is the heart of worship. And what he's drawing us back to is the heart of worship. We've made it so much more than what he has intended it to be. We've made it about ourselves. We've made it about what we want, how we want it. We've, we've, tried, to, we've tried to take what God has done and has that's so precious and it's so powerful and we've tried to add our stuff to it we try to decorate it we think it's our voice we think it's our talents we think it's us we think God needs our help we think God needs our help but God is telling America he's telling the church get out of my way He's telling the church to get out of my way because we've been doing it wrong all along. Because when we're in the way, when we're in the way, we're hindering the thing, the very thing God has intended to do. The reason why we have been stagnant in our worship, the reason why it's been smelling the reason why our altars are in shamble, the reason why our houses are a muck full of sin is because we have left the heart of worship. We have left the heart of worship. There are three hearts of worship, and I'm going to go. I'm just going to read what the, what the Holy Spirit is leading me to do. He's moving. Don't you dare, don't you dare balk. Don't you dare Move from where you are. You can, fit, you can sit down if you want to. I don't know how long I'm going to be. It may be five seconds. It may be five minutes. But I can promise you something right now. God wants to do something in this house today. And he's doing something in this house today. I feel, I feel Pastor Brad is shifting gears. I said when you're in first gear, the, uh, you, when you're in a car and you're going in the first gear, you'll start, you'll start dragging. And, uh, and sometimes it'll start... It start dragging and feel like, and it feels like you're, you might be done. You feel like that you maybe I'm weary in my spirit. I'm weary in my heart. I'm weary, and all of a sudden God says, "Boom!" and he shifts. He shifts it into a gear, and that and, and that power you thought you were running out of, and that and that Holy Spirit that you were you were you felt like your gears were grinding, and you feel like it was starting to cause sparks. He shifts it into another gear. He goes into the second gear, and all of a sudden I, I get a fresh breath. I get a fresh move. I get a fresh anointing I get a fresh I get a refreshing and God goes right into the second gear but I got news for you that ain't just one they ain't just a second gear there's a third gear and there's a fourth gear and I'm gonna tell you something right now and if you're driving a certain car there's a five gear there's a fifth gear depends on what kind of car you have but I gotta tell you something right now God's about to shift gears the Bible says in first chronicles go up to the Holy Ghost First Chronicles chapter 13, verses 1, it says, David consulted with all the officials, including the generals and the captains of the army. Then he addressed the entire assembly 
of Israel as follows. If you approve, and if it is the will of the Lord our God, let us send messages to all of the Israelites throughout the land, including the priests and the Levites in their towns and pasture lands. Let us invite them to come join us, because it is time to bring the ark of God, for we have neglected it during the reign of Saul. For the whole assembly agreed to this, and for the people could see that it was the right thing to do. So David summoned all of Israel, and from Shahar Brook in, in, in Egypt, and all the south of the way, to Lebo Hamath in the north, to all, let's see, to a place called Kirath Jerem, to bring back the ark of God, which bears the name of the Lord, who, who is enthroned between the two cherubims. They placed the ark of God on a new cart. Mm. on a new cart and brought it from Abinadab's house and Uzzah and Ohio were guiding the cart and David and all of Israel were celebrating before God with all their might singing songs and playing all kinds of musical instruments lyres, harps, tambourines, cymbals and trumpets but when they arrived at the threshing floor of Nacon and the oxen stumbled and Uzzah reached out his hand to steady the ark then the Lord's anger was roused against Uzzah, and it struck him, him dead because he had laid his hand on the ark. So Uzzah died there in the presence of God, and David was angry. Don't we get angry sometimes? Don't we get angry sometimes when we feel like we're doing it the right way, but we've not consulted God? We've not called on God. Because I'm going to tell you something. This one thing, and I'm going to preach this how he gives it to me. I've got an outline, but we're going to, it's just going to be like vegetable soup. There's going to be all kinds of stuff in it. Okay? And we're going to just pass it out to everybody. Okay? David thought it was okay just to be hungry. David thought it was just okay to have a hunger and a heart for God. But with a hunger without protocol. If we don't know what we're bringing back, if we don't know how to take care of what we're bringing back, if we don't know how to bring it back, it, ain't, it doesn't have anything to do with us. We ha God has a way. God doesn't change. God has not changed. Culture has changed. But God has not. And when we think that it's all about what we want it and how we want to bring it back, something happens and the users die. I got news for you. User's got to die. What does user represent? It's the old way of doing things. It's when we want to put it on a cart. We want we want to put it on a cart, a new cart. Where'd they get that idea? Where'd they get that idea to put it on a new cart? They got it from the Philistines. They got it from the sinful world, the Philistines, because that's how it left. See, there are three hearts. There are three hearts. There's the heart that's like Eli. There's the heart that's like Eli, the priest, who watched it leave. Who watched it because of his wickedness. The Bible says, Brad, that he was dim-dyed. And in the, in the air of the lamp, of the, of the lampstand, there's six lamps on the lampstand. And one, there was one left. And it was flickering. Because he had not taken care of it. And the Bible says that he laid, he was laying down, and the word of God was scarce in the day. And his sons, Hophni and Phineas, were too busy exhausting people as they were giving. They were doing wicked things in the tabernacle. And the Philistines walked right up to the, to the ark of God, put it on a cart, and took it away. And that generation... The grandson of Eli was called Ichabod. 
Ichabod, the, the glory has departed. See, there's three hearts. There's the one of Eli that watched it walk away. If you're not careful, if all you want to do is spectate, God, all you want to do is spectate. All you want to do is watch it. All you want to do is cut on YouTube and watch it walk right before your eyes. You'll watch it leave. You'll watch it leave you behind. You'll watch it leave you. And you'll be labeled Ichabod. You'll be labeled Ichabod. The glory has departed. But then there's the second heart. And it's a direct result, a result from the first heart. There's the heart of King Saul. See, King Saul's heart was the one that never sought it. See, he left it in his son's house, Abinadab. And it stayed there. And the whole reign of Saul. The whole reign of Saul. He was so out of balance. He thought it was okay to sacrifice without obedience. He didn't call on God unless he messed it all up. And then he said, oh man, I done messed it all up. Samuel, what do I do? What do I do? He goes, obedience is more more important than sacrifice. And it didn't stop there. The only time he felt the presence of God was then when somebody who had a heart for it sat right in front of him and played. And he played, and the Holy Spirit would move and it would relieve the depression from him that he had. But it left when David left. And he would be depressed again. And David would come. See, that's what church has been to us. That's what church has been to us. We come. And we go. We come and we go. We come and we go. And it come, we come and it and we leave it. We come and we leave it. And all it does is it doesn't go with us. For years the glory is meant to be poured out onto all flesh and to minister to those that are hurting and dying outside these walls. But we have left it at the altar. We have left it. And so the two things that are in common, the two things that are in common with this is that old daddy Eli didn't care about his kids, and so they got labeled Ichabod. Old daddy Saul didn't care about his kids or his grandkids. So guess what? They didn't know how, they put it on a new cart just like the world does it. See, the, see the ark is the, it represents the, the presence of God. It was about four feet long, two and a half feet tall, two and a half feet wide, and on top of it was a mercy seat. Two cherubims on each side, and they were beaten down to cover just like this. Their wings specifically instructed by God to Moses of how, if I'm going to dwell with you, which I hunger to do. God said, I hunger to be with you. But if I'm holy, you got to be holy. If I'm holy, you got to be holy. And so this, to use an Ohio in the house of Abinadab, was just another house ornament. See, I grew up in a time, Brad, where the, we had this big old, huge, thick, holy Bible. I mean, it would break a window if you threw it through it. And my mama had it. Uh, when you walked into our living room, 
on the coffee table, it'd be opened. And the first thing people would come into the house is they would see the Word. The first thing that people would come when they ever paid a visit to my house was the Word was open. But now how many times is now we look at our homes and there's not even on the coffee table. It's not even on the coffee table anymore. It ain't even on our hearts anymore. We go to it and we leave it. We go to it and leave it and we wonder what's wrong with our generation. We wonder what's wrong with our generation. We want to know why they don't even know who they are. We want to know why. We want to know why this generation, they're searching for something, but they don't know where to search it for. They, they, they're looking for Jesus. They're looking for God, but they don't know where to see him. And so guess what? The devil slips in and says, you know what? And offers them an alternative. And we, don't, we want to know why the world's so wicked. We want to know why the world is so wicked. We want to know why they're so evil and we're shocked when we turn on the television and we watch these debaucheries go on in front of our own eyes. But we want to know why. Because we're like Eli. See, Eli, Samuel was in the house and God was calling. God was calling Samuel. But see, it's because Eli had dim died and hadn't heard the voice of God in a long time unless it was in judgment. Hadn't heard it in a long time and the Holy Spirit was so, had so, had become so low in his life that it could, he could barely see that Samuel had to go to him bread three times. It'd go three times and he said, what do you want? This generation's gone to the church how many times? What do I do? What do I do? How do I do it? And we let them go. We let them one generation after one generation after one generation after another generation. They start off singing gospel music, but now they're singing the the debaucheries of the devil. We want to know why they're like that. And on the third time, Eli remembered. Oh, yeah. I remember. God's calling you. And just like Saul, we've left it in, in the house of our, of our kids. I don't want it. I don't need it. I want to do things my way. I want to live my way. I want to live in the pleasures of sin. I want to rule the kingdom the way I want to do it. I want to do it like Mickey, Mickey Blue Eyes says, I want to do it my way. But then there's the third heart. There's the third heart. And at the beginning of Chronicles, the Bible says after, da- after Saul had died, he fell on his own sword. You know what's funny about Saul and how he died? He didn't want to die to a Philistine. He didn't want to die to a Philistine. So he asked the Malachite. So he said, he said, Stab me. I don't want to die to Philistines. See, that's what we do. I don't, want to, I don't want to be known for alcohol, but I'll look at porn. We don't want to be known for having extramarital affairs. Oh, but I'll gossip about my neighbor. 
my God. But the heart rested in his house. And David began to take inventory. He said, I've got my wives. I've got so many men in my army. And then he looked over his shoulder and but where's the ark? He said, how, how can the ark come to me? There's a generation. There's a generation that's saying, how can the ark come to me? How can the ark come to me? And so because they didn't know, Sister Cindy, because they didn't know, they go knocking at old Benadab's house. And about 3,000 men stood at that one. Couldn't you believe it? And Benadab's looking at it. Comes to his door and there's about a whole host of people. He goes, we come for the ark. He goes, I've come for the ark. And because you in Ohio didn't know any better because daddy didn't know. Daddy didn't care. He didn't teach them. And so they, got, they built a new cart. Put it on a new cart. I'm hurrying. I know you're standing. I'm sorry. But they put it on a new cart because that's the way the world does it. And when they got to a rough place, when they come to the threshing floor, see, the, whole, the, the, the presence of God's meant for tough places, uneven places. It's not meant just for smooth places. It's meant for the rocky places. And when, the, and when, it, hit, when it hit the rocky place, the oxen stumbles, and the ark begins to, to rattle, and user reaches because he don't know. He don't know that he can't touch. He don't know that he can't do this. Oh, he, he thinks he's taking care of it. But hunger's got a protocol. The way you've got to bring the ark back is you've got to... Remember I, I preached last week. I said true worship is consecrating. It's sacrificial. And it's celebrating. Before you ever get into a holy place, you've got to consecrate yourself. The Levites were set aside to God. He says, don't even count them in the tribe. They're mine. Don't even count them amongst the twelve. They're mine. They, they are consecrated, sanctified to me, and they're going to minister to me. God is looking for Levites. God is looking for Levites that'll be, that'll be separated, that'll get out of the line of the world and get in line with Him. They'll get in line with Him and say, I want to come back to the heart of worship. I want to come back to the heart of worship because it's from a consecrated place that I'm able to offer a sacrificial praise. And David said, it made him so mad because he thought he was doing it right. So they parked it at Obed-Edom's house. This is good. Parked it, you know who Obed-Edom is? He's a Gentile. He's a Gentile. He's supposed to hate, he's supposed to have the ark. But you know how Obed-Edom got to where he was? Ooh. See, when David was running from Saul, he played like he had a nervous breakdown. The fool was so he was hiding from Saul. And so he, was in the, so he could stay in the Philistine camp and hide. And Obed-Edom was a Gittite who dwelled in the land of the Philistines. And because he came across David, he fell in love with David. And when David left, when David left and went back to Israel, he went with him, along with a lot more Philistines too, and said, I ain't staying here no more. I ain't staying in this land of this old wicked land of the world. I'm following. I fell in love with the king. 
I fell in love with the king. And so Obadiah, it's Obadiah, my God, bless me, Lord. Obed-Edom, I'll get them right. There's a lot of biblical characters going through my mind right now. <laughs> Obed-Edom, he gets the ark. And David thinks it's going to be okay here because it's in the house of a Gentile. It's okay. I ain't got to worry about blessing his house, I don't think, because he's not Jewish. So David goes back and he goes and starts building his house. Continue with the things as they were. Because he, he didn't know how to bring it back. He didn't know how to, he didn't know, he didn't know how to do it. But he started hearing that God was blessing Obed-Edom. He started hearing that he didn't kill Obed-Edom. He blessed him. And all of a sudden he said, he's like, hmm. And so he began to do his due diligence. And he began to study. He said, if I'm going... If I'm going to carry the presence of God, it can't be carted. It must be carried. See, when you build the Ark of the Covenant on the edge of, the, of the, each four feet long on the corners is rings. And on the rings is poles that slide through there. And only on the shoulders of the consecrated. Only on the shoulders that have separated themselves unto God, who God has sanctified. Only on the Levites can they pick up that heavy-weighted Shekinah glory. See, God knows it's heavy. God knows it's heavy. But he's going to give you the strength to carry it. He's going to give you the strength to carry it. And it's, See, if you, if you don't know the weight of the glory, you don't know the responsibility of carrying it. See, it's easy to carry it on a cart because I don't bear any responsibility to it. I can sing a couple of songs and I can get my feel good. I can celebrate, but I don't have to consecrate or sacrifice. And I can get my touch and check the box And Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I'll get a little bit on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and I'll go again and I'll celebrate again. I ain't worried about consecrating. I'm not worried about sacrificing. Check the box again. But David goes, this time we're going to do it right. And the Bible says that they consecrated the Levites. They consecrated the Levites. And they go to Old Bed Edom's house. And they put poles. I'm doing summarization. This is the KOS version right here. They slid the poles in the rings. And they began to carry it. And they said, the Bible says, in 2 Samuel 6, it gives a snapshot view. 1 Chronicles 13 and 14 and 15 give you the expanded view of what's taking place in the same, same situation. 2 Samuel tells me in 6 that every six steps, every six steps while David's celebrating. See, the celebrating ain't good. I can't dance. I'm sorry. I'm doing this jig and I'm, I know they're watching me and I can't dance. I can't even sing. But as David's dancing before the Lord, Every six steps, every six steps, they would stop. They would build an altar and they would worship sacrificially. If we as the church are going to see God do something, get ready. I'm about to close it. I'm about to, this God's about to do something in this altar. He ain't done. He's shifting gears. He's about to do something. David danced before the Lord with all his might every six steps. All the way to Jerusalem. All the way to the city. 
He danced, and they would go six steps, build an altar, sacrifice. And David didn't stop. He had his ephod on. He, he, didn't, have his, he didn't care who he was. See, we got to stop caring who we are. He don't care if you're a doctor. He don't care about if you're a lawyer. He don't care if you're a politician. He don't care who you are. He doesn't care. David, David took off his robes and had his ephod on. That's the prayer garment. That's the praise garment. And he danced. And they went all the way to Jerusalem. And the Bible says that his own wife, Michael, hated him. So isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing how the heart of the previous will get mad at you? And the previous generation will get mad because you know what? They didn't look for it. She, she was Saul's daughter. Daddy didn't teach her either. And so she, she was mad because it didn't come through her household. It came through his household. And he's, she's watching her husband dance before the Lord with all his might, worshiping, celebrating. The presence of God is returning. It's in my care. It's in my house. Uh, the, the Bible says that David had built his house and he made and he erected a tent and made room for, for God to be in his house. We got to make room for God to do something in our house. I'm closing. God wants you to make room. God's about to do something in your households. See, it's one thing to feel God here. It's amazing. God wants to do something here, and this time we're not leaving it. Just like the heart of David, when the heart, we pick up the heart, the glory is going with me. Just, just when I pick up the heart, it's going with me. It's going into my house and whoever I come in contact with and whoever I, because I'm, I'm a well. I'm a well. I'm, a, I'm, an, I'm an uncapped well full of his glory. So, God's about to do something. Pastor Brad, I want you to stand right here. Where's Sister Marcia's in there? Let it begin with you.